Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, yo, welcome into the CHGO White Sox podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook. Download the app today and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. Welcome in to Studio A of our CHGO offices here in the West Loop of Chicago. I'm Sean Anderson, the host of the CHGO White Sox podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. We have Vinny Duber on the show today, back from Australia. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. Still, still back from Australia. You're, yeah. You didn't go anywhere else. No, I'm back, know. right, yeah. Uh, the last trip was to Australia. You're not wrong. And you've returned. Uh, and the man in the middle is not Herb Lawrence today. It is Chuck Garfine of NBC Sports Chicago, of the White Sox Talk Podcast. And you can follow Chuck on Twitter, at Chuck Garfine. It's the Chuck alarm going off. Well, that alarm <laughs> follows me wherever I go. Yes. When anyone is to meet me, I will introduce myself, and those alarm bells will be sung Indoors, outdoors, everywhere. It was very clear when you walked in today. I mean, the, the bells started going off. So <laughs> yeah. uh, we're very excited to welcome in uh, Chuck and his bells into the show. Yeah. Uh, how you been? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I don't know this fellow to my left. I've never I met him mystery before. Mystery man. Yeah. Uh, Do you miss him? Do I miss him? Uh, let's see. I miss... He sees me enough to avoid missing I'm me. Trying to, well, yeah, actually, I, I'm still socially friends with Vinny, so that helps. Uh I, I don't know what I miss more. You or the mustache. It's kind of like one of the... Well, as we found out from Dylan Cease, you can separate the two, apparently. I wonder what sort of Ziploc bag his mustache is living in these days <laughs> because it was gone at last appearance on uh, social media. Uh, that's your, Speaking of your mustache, I think that's there till at least 2035. Maybe 20. Mine or his? Yeah. Yours. Mine. You're not 20? shaving that. No, yeah, of course not. I, I wouldn't even shave it to go snorkeling in the Great Barrier Reef. <laughs> I think Come you on. won't even have a plan, though. I think Chuck's right. You'll just wake up one day in 2035 and just be like, I'm done. You know, I just need a, a new start. Just hang it up. Wait, yeah. Can you go back a second? Wait, you need to shave your mustache to snorkel or to do any kind of scuba, scuba diving? So we Specifically went, in the Great Barrier Reef because he's yeah. back from Australia. Because I'm back from yeah, Australia. Yeah. So when we were in Australia, we went snorkeling in the Great Barrier Reef, yeah. right? Very cool. You put your head underwater. It's like you're watching a nature documentary. But facial hair, yes. specifically a mustache, makes it so the mask does not completely suction to your face. Interesting. And so you'd stick your head in the water and it, I would fill up with water. And so I did not know this. This was my first time snorkeling. I wasn't aware of this, but they were like, well, we have some Vaseline for you. And so I would like, I like stuck my hand in a, like a cup of Vaseline. Like I'm like Elvis with the hair yeah. and all over the mustache didn't work. So yeah, the only way to securely have that on there is if you have a clean shaven upper lip, but uh, come on. So everybody watching and listening, this is what you learn here on the CHGO <laughs> podcast about the inner workings of 
snorkeling or scuba diving at the Barrier Reef? I tried to. I think, as our our regular viewers and listeners know, I make a habit of, of giving just yeah. ridiculously non baseball related information out on this podcast. A lot of mustache tips. I mean, he's he's very generous. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I, I, he said, "Treat it like a bonsai tree." So you know, Vinny always comes <laughs> up looking looking very sharp. Uh, Chuck, we got some questions for you. Uh, okay, you know, it's it's not that cold out. Uh, the thank the, God the, the weather itself is doing a lot of the ice breaking. Yes, uh, but we we have usually ask some icebreaker questions. Sure. Um, so if you'll indulge us, uh, I knew one person in my life who can name a Chicago Sting player, and that was Les Grobstein because he announced for the team. Yes. Uh, you are, apparently are another person who can talk Chicago Sting. I'm an aficionado on the Chicago Sting. What do you want to know? Well, Carl Heinz Granitza, Padomar Hedek, Rudy Glenn. I can go. I can stay here all night. Well, I, I saw an interesting... Arno re- Stefan Hagen, I think his last name was. <laughs> uh, did you know Pele? I mean, he... Uh, he, he you know, unfortunately, he died today. Um, but I saw an interesting report. It was like 1977 that like Pele w- was drawing massive crowds to American soccer. So mm-hmm. I mean, you were kind of growing up where you know soccer was booming in yes. America. Yes, uh, uh, outdoor soccer is the NASL. Pele played for the New York Cosmos at the time. Uh, this is near the end of his career. Here is something that's going to blow people's minds, and it's to show you how times have changed. In 19 19- 81, I think it was the year. Yeah, 1981. The year Hard Promises came out. Um, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Yes, of course. That's the uh, record store cover, right? He's walking through yes. the, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Cubs played the Cardinals day game at Wrigley Field. Uh, there were about 4,000 fans there that day. This was before the heyday of the Cubs in the 80s. Harry Carey hadn't shown up there yet from the, from the, north, or from the south side. There were 4,000 fans at Wrigley Field. The Chicago Sting played a game against the San Diego Soccers at Comiskey Park that night. You want to guess how many fans were there? More than 4,000, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to venture. 40,000. Wow. So in the late 70s, early 80s, soccer was huge in Chicago. Huge. And they outdrew the White Sox and the Cubs. How about that? Can you believe that? Yeah. So at the end, the the Chicago Sting in 1981 won the championship. This was the first Chicago championship I'd ever witnessed in my life. They had a uh, parade down LaSalle Street. I mean, the Chicago Sting were the thing. In 1981. Well, so, so, I mean, so many fans are beaten up right now in Chicago because yeah. the White Sox didn't meet expectations. The Cubs are underperforming. You know, the Bears have Justin Fields. The Bulls. That's about it. Yeah, yeah the, the Bulls. Um, but this we were, feels a lot like that time. Yeah, I think our guy Clark asked, like, what was the most depressing stretch of sports? First Chicago 10 years sports. of my life. <laughs> so Yeah, yeah. I mean, we had Walter Payton, but the Bears stunk. Yeah. They made it to the playoffs in 79. It wasn't until the Sox won in 83 Cubs won in 84, Bears won at all in 85. I'm not saying one, I'm saying like the, the Sox they won the division, <laughs> the Cubs won the division, uh, the Bears won the Super Bowl in 85. But it was today's, you know, feeling amongst fans for Chicago sports. It, it, it goes in cycles, as we know. Um, this feels a lot like those times. Yeah, I think that was my answer to that question was, was the 1970s yeah. because basically that entire decade. The Bulls had a couple of good seasons in there. The Bulls then drafted Michael Jordan in 84, but even took a while for them to get good. So uh, hang in there, everybody. <laughs> I would say the best team is still the White Sox. Ladies and gentlemen, we can Probably talk right. about that. That was Probably a big right. Bulls win yesterday against yeah, the Bucks. But then they'll go lose to some 
Bobby Rappi's not team. Wrong. Yeah. Uh, Pistons, give up, the Pistons tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they'll give up 150 to the Pistons. Uh, and Vinny, like Vinny was telling you, we do have a live chat. Uh, some people saying it's surreal that you're in studio. Uh, it is surreal, actually. Uh, some yeah. Our guy Jay Corona saying R.I.P. Uh, Les Grofstein. And uh, we also have a super chat from our guy Baseball Toss saying, Hey, Chuck, it's Max Levenberg, IDK, if you remember me. Yes, but you I showed do. me and my dad and my grandparents around the NBC studio. Yes, we did. Uh, I Max Levenberg, he's... Uh, I forgot how old he is, but he's uh, look out for him, ladies and gentlemen. Big fan of Max Levenberg when he gets older. Uh, I know his dad, Tom. Um, and so we gave him a little tour of the studios. Is it the new studios? Because you guys just got in, like brand new studios, right? Uh, well, like three years ago. Okay. Yeah. Um, we're in the same location, just a new set. That's where we're, we're, that's what's new. Although it's not even new anymore. Right. Well, did you even see it with the pandemic? Yeah, I was okay. uh, I was on it a few times. <laughs> right, yeah. But go. yeah, it came right in the middle of uh, right in the middle of the pandemic. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. The that set is special. It is a amazing. I think it's the best. I would say it's the best set in, in a local market in the country. That's how good it, it looks. Is. Nice. I yeah. was on the old set for my one my one night on White Sox post game live. That's right. The we uh, were desperate. We needed Vinny. Yeah, they <laughs> were bringing desperate. a ringer. They were desperate. The Omar Help. the Omar Narvaez walk off uh, home run game. That was in Seattle. That was yeah. the game. That was the game. Wow. Against, so you're against one Alex Colome. You're no, one. Oh, and one. Oh, this oh. was after the trade. Oh, this <laughs> against the White Correct, Sox. Correct. Yes. Okay. So you're oh, and one. Okay. Yeah. Then that's why your career ended that's as why, an analyst exactly, on exactly. White Sox post game left. And I mean, hey, when uh, what was the White Sox were better on the road this year. So I mean, I guess you were when you were in studio. You know, your in studio hits here were a little bit more successful. Slightly. So, yeah. There you go. Um, We've been asking this question. We had uh, a couple guests on, Mike Rankin and James Vegan on, uh, and we've asked them when they were growing up, who was the stance they imitated the most? Um, oh. So if there was a guy and you were stepping up to the plate, who, who'd you have in mind? Now, I don't really have a White Sox guy. That's okay. 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 Mine's Based Nomar. On, yeah, his is Nomar. Yeah. All right, so there were a few. There was – okay, i got to move the mic a little bit here. There you go. Do you guys know who this is? I'm going back to the 70s. Do you know this? The Twitch. Yeah. No, you don't know. I feel it. like I've seen I do it know before. It, but yeah, but I yeah. don't know. Joe Morgan. Okay. okay. Joe Morgan. That's what I was gonna say. I took Should have went for it. Should have went for it. Elbow up in the back. I didn't realize it was much of a twitch as a replay. Yeah, oh, second oh base? it's a twitch. Look it up. Uh, no, I played more shortstop okay. and uh, center field. That was those were my two two positions. Rangy. That was rangy. Yeah. Uh, I could get to any ball at shortstop. I had the tallest uh, first baseman in the league one year. <laughs> Accuracy uh, was not necessary. Uh, I no. would throw it over his head. He was like six <laughs> four and twelve years old, and I would still throw it over his head. Uh, he then went on to become a great tennis player, Mark Boris. For everyone in the South Suburbs, you'll know who Mark Boris is. So, a little shout out to the South Suburbs, Flossmore, Homewood. <laughs> a lot of South Suburbs folks Olympia watching. Fields. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, who went to Flossmore? Uh, Lawrence Holmes, who I worked with at Scott the score. Scott Merck. Uh, ben Bradley. Paul Moore. Sullivan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sully's one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm forgetting. It's the there's HF Mafia. Yeah, I feel like there's another baseball guy, too. Uh, Steven Nelson? Is he not? No, no Steven Nelson did not And just as a White Sox fan? Yeah. All right. Well, if we're missing somebody, it's our fault. We'll be reminded. We didn't go through the Homewood Flossmore Wikipedia before this. And then I guess the final question, we got a kind of collage here for you. Yeah. We always... Vinny's obsessed with the Donnie Lucy jersey you found. Um, so we're wondering if you have a white whale uh, of some of the jerseys that you might find on the concourse. Uh, we have uh, some Evan Marshall mm. jerseys yeah. here that yeah. was signed, a Ross Glode one, uh, a doing Day one, a Chris Snowpeck one that was autographed. We got the Donnie Lucy one. Is there one that you're just like hoping you find one day? 
Let's see here. Well, I, I can, if I can, talk about my White Sox Talk podcast. Of course. Uh, at some point, we are going to have a, another remote White Sox Talk podcast. And what we w- always do is we present a lucky fan with a very, 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 very random jersey. We've had Al Albuquerque. Uh, these game worn, by the way, Al Albuquerque. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, there was uh, a there was Despagne, a, a Ronnie. You may have ruined oh. the the jersey. That's on me. I'm sorry. That's okay. I should have shut up. In the future, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Chuck, you should just play dumb. <laughs> there might be an Odrisimer Despagne jersey in your future. It's okay. I think that alone should get people to want to come to the remote podcast. <laughs> I'm there. I think so. <laughs> the only reason I brought it up is I'm probably now eligible to win it. There was, well, th- and that, that was the thing. There was a Zoom call where you're holding up one of those jerseys. That is true. And, and Vinny's got his crazy long hair. Yeah. So I was just going to bring that photo on anyways because of Vinny's hair. Yeah. We, we've kind of teased people along about this jersey. <laughs> so it's not like it's breaking news. Yeah. And I think if you watch the ESPN later today on the bottom line, <laughs> when it talks about the scores and the news, you will see the news that was broken here that in a future White Sox Talk podcast remote, it will be revealed the Odristimer Despagne jersey, and someone will be uh, the winner of that. So, To be fair, there were a lot of good ones to choose from from okay, that, so, from that yeah, season. Yeah, <laughs> oh, my God, the whole rebuild. Uh, but for me, I mean, if I was to find one, I've, I have found some epic, mm-hmm. epic jerseys by the White Sox. I'll call it White Sox Nation because they, they come – from all corners of the globe, and they partake in this uh, like it's, I mean, it's, it's a, like a treasure hunt. It really is. Um, it's, it's funny because, like, I'm going back to, there's the random ones that guys have barely played for the Sox, but then there's the ones who, like, are near and dear to my heart. Mm-hmm. You know, like, uh, if someone brought a Chet Lemon jersey to the, the park, that, I would just give him a hug. That was, like, my favorite <laughs> player growing up. But he was, like, a guy who made the All-Star team. So... I'm trying to go back to those days, uh, and I, ending pre-pandemic, I end up kind of like, it's a little hazy, 2019, 2018. Um, I'm trying to think of my, some of my favorites that I found. Uh, the Omagroso <laughs> jersey was special. <laughs> now, this guy, I, I don't know his real name, um, but he wears the Omagroso jersey to a lot of games. So I saw Omagroso a lot. He is Brian Omagroso at this point. Uh, a lot older. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the guy was like in his 60s wearing this Brian Omagroso jersey. Uh, Donnie Veal's a special jersey. Mm, that's a good uh, one. I've seen him around. Um, My all-time fave, yeah. I was telling Sean before the show, I've been to a Sox game as a, as a spectator, yeah. and uh, a few rows in front of me, guy in a Dylan Axelrod jersey. And it wasn't Dylan Axelrod. It, well, I don't think so. <laughs> okay. He was been. no longer on the team, so it might have been him. Yeah, Who knows? Yeah. But uh, So I, when I go to White Sox games, I am – Half watching the game, half scanning the crowd <laughs> to see the most random jersey that I can find. I cannot help myself. It is a scavenger hunt that I love to partake in. And well, I wish we did more pre- and post-game shows from the park so I could play this game more often. Especially with, you know, you know, baseball games can get out of hand. I went to the Elvis night game where the White Sox got blown out by the A's. My yeah. first game, uh, they lost to the Garrett An- Anderson Angels 12-2. Uh, to So sometimes, like, the best part about baseball is just the people watching because the baseball actually is terrible. So I did a story, I think, in 2006. I've done a few of them, but I did one in 06, walking around the stadium trying to find... 
the most random jerseys. And here is one that will go right to the heart of White Sox fans. I'm now remembering it. There was a guy who was wearing a White Sox jersey. The number on the back was 03, and the name was Bartman. Mm-hmm. Seen that one before. <laughs> you yeah. have seen that one before. Uh, I've seen a lot of White Sox fans who bought Cubs jerseys yeah. with that on the back uh, to kind of rub it, in, rub it in the face of their, their fellow city mates. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've seen that one before. Yeah. And then one jersey that made news, I was covering the Bulls in 2015, 2016, when the Cubs were good, and Frank Kaminsky of the – Wisconsin Badgers and the Phoenix Suns. He came to town, and I'm trying to remember the jersey. Uh, I'll look it up. It was a Bartman jersey. Was it a Bartman jersey? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. I have my phone on airplane. Can I take it off airplane? (laughs) Yeah, I got you. I'll I'll Google it for you. Uh, He's got a Bartman 44. Because his number is 44. How quickly you found that. The magic of the internet. You know, when you you were raised around this stuff, it's really easy (laughs) to to, to Google. Um, But yeah, Bartman 44. I don't know. I mean, I feel... If there's anybody I feel bad for in Chicago sports history, yeah. it's, it's Steve Bartman. I mean, that guy did not mean to do what he did. And, I mean, people that have vitriolic hate for him is just it's sports, I guess. Uh, so I started working here in 04. First White Sox season was 05. I may have tried to reach out to Steve Bartman for an interview about five or six times and got nowhere. Five or six times? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Have you tried since? No, I gave up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't let think the man like live his life, <laughs> especially think. now after this point, after right. this much time, you don't need to yeah. be talking anymore. If he stayed, you know, radio silent for this long, I don't, yeah. I don't see the point in breaking it yeah. uh, unless he gets like a big documentary bag. Because I think you know that that'd be interesting, it's possible. Um, but uh, we do have another super chat here. We'll yeah. take a break and then we'll jump into our year in 2022 review. It's not a fun season to go back and look. For. Uh, back at so we're going to see if we can change some things Uh, if there is an alternate universe out there what would the White Sox 2022 season look like if it was a little bit different Um, but we do have a super chat from Stefan Bardo what do you prefer at second and who do you guys want to be the fourth outfielder for this team happy new year's guys Uh, I guess the big news Miami Marlins just signed Gene Segura two years 17 million dollars so he's off the market him we don't have to talk about him anymore (laughs) Vinny Um, it might be an internal option so uh, Chuck maybe not who you would want to be, but maybe who do you think are the, the leading candidates for those positions? Yeah, right now it's looking like they are focused on Romy Gonzalez and Lenin Sosa. I think they're giving them a shot at this point. But, you know, I also think there are still possibilities out there. I'm intrigued the fa- by the fact that Josh Harrison is still a free agent. He's still available. Uh, he was maybe their best defender last season. So, um, Let's see what happens between now and spring training. I'd like to think that the White Sox might try to bring someone else aboard for competition, but the season is not going to live and die with who the second baseman is. This season is going to live and die by that nucleus of guys who we have watched and who are the basically the cornerstones of this team. They need to stay healthy, and they need to perform somewhere near or above their capabilities. If they do that, it won't matter, in my opinion, who the second baseman is as long as they play good defense. So I would like to have a great second baseman, but I wouldn't get so hyper-focused on who that is. The biggest thing for me is the core of this team and how so many of them got hurt, underperformed, and they need to come back and have better seasons next year. 
Absolutely. I think we've been saying that since before last season ended, that mm-hmm. that was uh, going to be the story of 2023. So, uh, you know, listen, they've added uh, someone to the mix in, in Benintendi, but uh, it's going to be Aloy, it's going to be Andrew Vaughn, it's going to be Luis Robert, you know, and boy, they need Yohan Moncada and Yasmani Grandal to hit a lot better than they did last year, that's yeah. for sure. And then fourth outfielder, is it just Leary slash Gavin Sheets? You know, whenever they need Leary, they could put him in left or right, and same with Gavin? I'm going to say fourth outfielder is to be determined. Okay. I think there's another outfielder coming. Okay. Billy Hamilton's not going to win the job. I mean, no, I, I, um, Victor Reyes. I've been saying uh, we had Scott Petsenek on the podcast, and we it's going to be pods. It, it is He's coming back. More news <laughs> broken <laughs> on this podcast. Scott Petsenek is coming out of retirement, and he's not only going to come out of retirement, he will steal fifty bases. Well, well, he was salivating at this new rule yeah, that sure. everyone needs to be like thinking about, and I even said that I, f- I wanted the White Sox to sign Billy Hamilton because of this. He hadn't signed yet because what's going to happen is, have you guys discussed this whole new rule yet? On- uh, yeah, we've okay, with the terrible shit, detail, yeah. but yeah. So what's going to happen is a part of this whole pitch clock thing is you can also only throw to first base twice per plate appearances, yeah, twice per plate appearance. If you throw over a third time and the runner is safe, he automatically gets second base. So this is going to put more of a focus, in my opinion, on speed. And then three days later, the White Sox signed Billy Hamilton. I'm not <laughs> saying that Rick Hahn is listening to my <laughs> podcast to have, have decisions that he's going to make in the front office. But maybe this one kind of, maybe just a little I bit. I would like else. to think that Rick knew about the rule change. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to give myself some credit here, Benny. Uh, I'm no, always I'm for patting yourself on the back. Yeah, and hey, no, It was a total coincidence. I, I will not take any credit for that one. But... I think Billy has a great shot of making this team. I, I would like to see him on the team because there was some swagger that was missing, some fun that was missing, chemistry, and I, I like him in this mix. So we'll see what happens. Well, and like Adam Hazley was the fourth outfielder uh, for most of the part last year, and when he came up, it was a guy that was trying to make the team where Billy Hamilton's been in the majors before, so he's not really going to be afraid of that moment. And yeah. like you said, you know, he'll probably be able to keep it light. And useful even if he doesn't hit. Right. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, like uh, a guy up from the minors or something like that, you better hit or you're out of here kind of thing. Billy Hamilton, you know what you're getting when you sign him. So if you're putting him on the roster, you're basically paying him to, to run, and, and all the hitting is great. Look at his stats last season. I forgot it off the top of my head. I think he was with uh, the Twins. I think he might have been 0 for 17 with nine runs. <laughs> That's pretty like good. That's why, you bring, that's why you bring him in here. Yeah. Put him on base, he will score. 0 for 7. Um, eight plate appearances, four runs. Four runs, and um, then, then he was with... Uh, but yeah, no, he had, one, he had one hit in 2022. He had uh, 20 plate appearances, one hit, 13 runs with Miami and Minnesota. That was Miami. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the other thing, too, like between the major leagues and minor leagues, he was 15 for 1 in stolen bases last year, too. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's still got that, that skill as well. He's 31. I mean, he's mm-hmm. a, or 32. He's got you know strength and speed still in those legs yeah absolutely um and two you bring up scotty pods tony left 22's open the number's back the number's open so um you know unless victor reyes it's takes happening it. scotty pods at 40 whatever he is <laughs> coming back you've already broke the news they're already writing the uh the ticker for for espn uh we got to take a quick break chicago you've already got the best coverage for your favorite team so get fitted in the best sports gear around foco has you covered from soldier field to the front room north or south side with hoodies slippers signs bobbleheads and everything in between get decked out like tomorrow with apparel from the leaders in sports merch and collectibles 
FOCO. If you're looking for the perfect gift for the football fan in your life, FOCO's got you covered with hoodies to fight that Lake Michigan breeze. So check out FOCO.com, that's F-O-C-O.com, or click the link in the description below. For all non-presale items, use the promo code CHGO for 10% off. Again, check out F-O-C-O, FOCO.com, or click the link in the description below. For all non-presale items, use the promo code CHGO for 10% off. And if you are looking to go to a game this winter, uh, the Blackhawks are in town. They're, or no, they're against the Blues. Uh, that's on me. Uh, that's in St. Louis. They'll be back. They'll be back yeah, at right, some point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, game time is the hottest new ticket site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports, concerts, and shows. If you ever dreamed of sitting in a seat you never thought you could, the 50-yard line, courtside, behind home plate, on the ice, floor seats at a concert, it's possible with the Game Time app. The biggest last-minute price drops can be found on season, the seats you never thought you could buy. You won't find a better deal this season on Bulls or Blackhawks tickets, and it's created by the fans for the fans, and they guarantee you the lowest price possible. So if you love CHGO, then you'll love Game Time. The best way to support us is by buying your tickets to the link in the description below. You can join over 15 million people who have downloaded the Game Time app and score the best seats to all of your favorite events. All right, we have a timeline, and we're going to go in order. Uh, we're going to take a quick Super Chat break, though. Uh, this is from our guy, AJ. Uh, thank you, Chuck, for basically helping to raise me in the <laughs> mid-2000s. Uh, Sean, make sure he gets this money so he can get some vending machine snacks later. Uh, you're welcome, AJ. I did not know I was raising children in the uh, mid-2000s, but uh, maybe I was uh, doing that for you. He must have watched a lot of Sports Rise in sports night. Yes. Mm -hmm. And um, the perhaps that makes that makes uh, you were co-parenting with Belton Bill. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you and Luke doing double duty. Yes. Yes. Uh, Luke and I uh, first year on the air. We were the Bulls pre and post game host with Stacy King. Very nice. How about that? That's we were cool. uh, Luke's not here anymore, but um, I don't think he's still here. I think he left. Anyway, a uh, lot of great memories. Uh, been there for 18 years. Well, I guess I'm I got old man. one more like uh, personal question then. Like with all the sports personalities that have gone through NBC Sports Chicago, I mean, even the White Sox crew that you deal with now in, you know, Scotty, Ozzy, yeah. Frank. Like, is there one that's still, like, surreal that you're like, oh, I work with this person or I could I could do shows with this person? I mean, Frank and Ozzy, for sure, because, you know, I, I was covering Ozzy when he was the manager, and now I'm, like, working side by side right. with him. That's surreal. And then, you know, Frank, uh, one of the, yeah, the greatest hitter in White Sox history, and I'm working with him. I think that's qu quite surreal that that has happened, how my life has uh turned out that way so yeah it's i it's i do pinch myself even I, I still pinch myself that i'm doing this for a job in chicago this was my life goal when i was a kid and i get to do it i i'm reminded i remind myself all the time how fortunate and lucky that i am i get to do this i didn't do this on purpose uh, I, I showed Vinny my christmas haul uh what was that on s Monday? When did we do that show? Monday. Sure. Yeah. Um, we were going through our, someone asked the question, uh, what was your favorite minor league teams? Uh, and I just really liked this logo. I was picking it out. It's from the Travis, uh, Traverse City uh, Cherry Spitters. So you bring up, you know, that long journey. And that was where the, the first stop for Chuck My was. first job was in Traverse City, Michigan. Correct. There was no Traverse City. Whatever. No. What is that? Uh, Cherry Spitters. Cherry Spitters. There was no minor league <laughs> baseball team. Started in 2018. Yeah, yeah. I was covering... Every single solitary high school in northern Michigan, I can name, just like I can name, like, every Chicago Sting player, I can name every <laughs> small town in northern Michigan because I went and traveled to all of their schools uh, for a year and a half. So uh, Traverse City was a special time. Traverse City Trojan uh, 
high school football team and basketball. Go Trojans. Go Trojans. There you go. Um, so let's jump into the timeline here. Yeah. Uh, we're going to mainly focus on 2022, but I actually want to go all the way back to 2021 just because I think this was such a pivotal moment for the window. Mm-hmm. March 24th, 2021, Aloy leaves the spring training game after getting caught at the Oh, we're top going the there? Wall. We're going all the way there just and because. why? Why is that? Well, because I like the reason why. It but forced go ahead. Andrew Vaughn into the outfield. Yeah. And what does that do to even this offseason where they're spending money on an outfielder if Aloy doesn't have that injury and he's able to play left field? They don't need to move him to DH because Andrew Vaughn's already raking. And does that mean there's a spot still for Jose Abreu at first base? Like, if Aloy stays healthy and he doesn't get injured, what does that mean for the 2021 team and, you know, the health of 2023? Yeah, I think it's a very good point because, you know, Everybody already had their opinion of how good of a defender Aloy was in left field, and there were plenty of there were plenty of people before he did the Vince Carter impression that were saying that he probably should have been moved to designated hitter. But if he doesn't give the White Sox another reason to do that, right? If he can stay healthy, mm-hmm. and no matter what the offensive numbers end up being, if he stays healthy and just plays serviceable left field. They don't need a left fielder. They have a left fielder. And I think the best point on there is what does that mean for Jose Abreu? Because then Andrew Vaughn, you would think, has had the last two years of being an everyday DH. He doesn't need to move to first Mm -hmm. base because nobody needs to come in and take his spot at DH. Does Jose Abreu come back for 2023? It's a great question. If we're talking specifically about 2022, it's, it's very much Andrew Vaughn probably isn't being put into a corner outfield spot. And while he did a fine job in 2021, 2022 not so much and very much uh, helped to uh, their standing as one of the worst defensive teams in the league last yeah, year. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how I want to answer this question because we could play this what-if game. <laughs> how, far, podcast. how far back do you want to go? <laughs> what do you, I mean, the what-if possibilities with not only the White Sox franchise, every franchise in baseball could take every team into so many different directions. I mean, I don't even know where to begin with the White Sox. Like, I'll just go back to, oh, the winter of 04 and 05. What if the White Sox, under the radar of everybody who is a White Sox fan, and even in their own front office, yeah, we're going to claim this guy off waivers, uh, Bobby Jenks. Uh, He may not even play for us. Oh, if you don't do that little small move, you don't even win a World Series. There's a what if. What if, I'm sorry, I'm I'm kind of like sabotaging your what if game. (laughs) It's all good. But um, what if. uh, I ruined the Odomir Despagne reveal, so. Okay, so this is going right back. This is payback. payback. Yeah, Yeah, that's all right. What if, this this could be a, a podcast all its own. What if in 2012, if the White Sox had not hired Robin Ventura, they instead said, you know what? There's a guy who's available now, although I'm not sure he was ready to manage that year, so that might have had something to do with this, who is available, who was a AAA manager for us. We have a good relationship with us. Let's hire Terry Francona to be our manager in 2012 instead of Robin Ventura. Instead, in 2013, he becomes a manager of the Cleveland Indians. How would that have changed the fates of both franchises. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you, like you said, it can go off in so many different directions. Just sticking in 2012, they had a chance to win the division. What happens if they win the division in 2012? What happens if uh, if 
Here's two what-ifs about the same thing. 2016, what if the uh, James Shields trade goes right yeah. and James Shields pitches the way that they hoped that he would pitch for them and all of a sudden they're a playoff contender after that hot start? Or what if they don't do it at all and they've got Fernando Tatis Jr.? I mean, every, every you know, uh, the if you've been watching your Marvel shows, you know the multiverse goes off in, uh, in an infinite number of directions and uh, certainly that applies to baseball. I've got a great what-if <laughs> for the Cubs and it is also with the White Sox. What if Jesse Crane doesn't get hurt in whatever year that was, 2014? He was with the White Sox. He had a phenomenal first half. He was like the was number one relieving trade candidate. And the White Sox were basically this close to trading him um, for this pitcher named Jake Arietta. I don't know if you guys know this. And Arietta was going to be coming to the south side. It was pretty close to being done. Jesse got hurt, and they had to put the kibosh on the trade. And instead, the Orioles traded him to the Cubs. What happens then? I don't know. I mean, I don't know if he, he, he turns into the same pitcher just because the Cubs did boost him a little bit with you know tweaking stuff. But, I mean, that was 2013, and Jesse Crane had a .74 ERA. Yeah, he was incredible. <laughs> he was, he he was, was incredible. Um, yeah, that's, that's a crazy. I mean, there's also the Juan Soto what if. Uh, I forget who talked about this, but someone in the White Sox organization said that they were like $50,000 away from getting Juan Soto. I mean, you know, that would solve right field pretty easily. Yeah. Um, what, if, what, if they, what if they got what they wanted out of the uh, Chris Sale trade and they got Devers or they got mm. Benintendi instead of Moncada? You know, what if Michael Kopech's... Uh, uh, UCL stays intact. What if what <laughs> if the Red Sox, instead of taking Ben Attendee, took someone else? The White Sox were in position to draft Ben Attendee, but instead they got Carson Fulmer instead. Well, what if they took his his uh, Vanderbilt teammate, Walker Bueller, who went like tech, 10 <laughs> that picks been good later? Too. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they just missed that pick, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, but hey, they got Ben Attendee. Uh, and, and we can just tie that back into the what if for this. I mean, yes. they, they, they end up you know making a, contra- uh, a franchise record-setting deal with Ben Attendee. Um, and that's the thing, too. Like, watching Andrew Vaughn play in left field, uh, Eloy seems fine. Like, Eloy does seem serviceable. So, like, I, I think this would change the landscape completely because you don't have to add Ben Attendee. Um, obviously, that maintains health, and we'll talk about another spot with Eloy where he goes down in Minnesota. Um, if he's healthy, and we saw the 82 or so games that he played after returning in July where he was their best hitter, hitting 15 home runs, um, if – he played 162. I think he was projected to hit 31 home runs. Like, if Aloy doesn't go down and they have him for the full season, how much does that change? Because there was such a power outage, and we know what he could bring. Yeah, you've got to figure there are at least a couple games that go a different way just because the balls that did not go over the fence, you probably get a few more that do with, yeah. with Aloy in there for an entire season. Uh, you know, hey, this is a guy who the projection is that he's going to be a, the type of hitter who can carry a lineup, right? It's about White Vaughn Sox- or Aloy? Aloy. Yeah. The White Sox had nobody throughout 2022 carrying that lineup. If you put somebody in there who does, does it turn into a winning streak? Is there a week of Aloy where he hits, you know, four homers to win to win three games? Uh, you know, it, it's it. they got to September with a, with a chance to win the division. Mm-hmm. You throw in a few more wins in July because uh, yeah. Aloy had a hot week, or, or I should say May or June because Aloy had a hot week. And all of a sudden, maybe the standings look a lot different when you get down to the end there. Yeah, I mean, if you want to be a glass-half-full person, which I am, you know me. Famed optimist. Yes, yes. Um, 
I would say almost everything that could go wrong went wrong sure. with the White Sox yep. last year. Which yeah. is why we're this is the tack we're taking <laughs> with the year in review podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but no, but I mean I'm I'm not kind of I'm not being facetious. I'm stating what I think is a truth. Yeah. In that everything that could go wrong went wrong and they somehow won 81 games. Now, we did not want this team to win 81 games, but if you just look at just look at the offense, the games played, and the underperformance. How did this team win 81 games? Like, that's shocking to me. Here is a sneaky good development about what happened last season, and it has to do with Aloy Jimenez, who said he never wanted to be a DH, didn't know how to DH, and I think that is the toughest position to play because you're pinch hitting four times in a game. There's a lot of time in between. Not everybody can do it, and I had my doubts about whether Aloy Jimenez can do it. Could look up his stats. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he, you got he, the computer. He, he killed. Aloy Jimenez last season learned how to be a damn good DH. And this, I think, is going to be huge for this offense because they're going to need him to do it. And I wasn't sure if he could. And no, no I mean, just because you can't just say, yeah, that's the right guy. He can do it. This guy can't. I just, you just don't know. And look at his stats. Yeah. Uh, in 210 plate appearances, 274. 343 and slugged 500. That's an OPS of 843. In left field, though, his OPS was 904. I don't care. <laughs> I know. I know. And that's the thing. Like when he when he How comes up limp, playing left field, uh, 30. Okay. Uh, and that's the thing too. Is like yeah. when he comes up limp in the outfield of Cleveland, like there's no reason to put him back at left field. So obviously, I'm not I'm not standing here to say you know Aloy should play left field because he'll be that much mm-hmm. better of a hitter I do think he adjusted well well and what I'll say about that moving forward which you were bringing up was that he was forced to play DH by his body mm-hmm. right he did not have the legs mm-hmm. last year after he came back from the injury to play left field you're a much better hitter when you're at full health when your legs are at full strength yeah. imagine a guy who is now accepted and learned how to play DH without having the, the bothersome mm-hmm. legs yeah. he's able to be the offensive player that you are when you're fully healthy, and now he's got the the mental block out of the way where he can keep playing DH. So you would have to figure he will be a better DH than he was in 2022 when in the second half of the season he was one of the, what, five best hitters in baseball. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, and that's why I think back to that moment where he's hanging off that, that outfield wall because that's why Vaughn's wearing 25 was because he was talking with Jim Tomey before that season how to get prepped for this mm-hmm. DH spot because he was so used to playing first base um, at, in college. So he had to get used to being that designated hitter. Um, and, you know, Loy, obviously it's been a, a, an adjustment ever since that period too. Um, but it seems like he's, he's, he's finding a stride there. Um, this was one of the questions, too, and you mentioned the offense. Um, Vinny had this. What if the ball was the same as 2021? What if the ball wasn't different in 2022 because we saw all of the opposite field power for the White Sox basically be zapped? If the ball is just different, do the White Sox hit more home runs? And are they about like an 87 to 88 win team? But then are, they, are the pitchers giving up more runs? Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's all a wash because the other pitching staff wouldn't be as good. So... The ball thing is just, whenever I see that, I'm like, I don't know. I mean, was it the ball? Are the, all the balls the same? You see stuff about, well, there's just a mixture of good balls and bad balls. and it's just, it's just too random, and it's completely out of my headspace. I can't even think about it. So it just, what do you, what's the solution there? 
I don't know. I don't know if there is one. Uh, I'm someone who likes home runs, so I guess give me the ball where it has more home runs. That'd be more fun to watch. But I think your point is the the baseball person and the baseball yeah. player point, which is well, the other teams other teams got to deal right. with it too. Right. So, um, but I think I, that the genesis of that, and we were talking with James about this a couple of days ago. How many times? Did the White Sox fly out to the wall this year? How many times was it a warning track fly ball where in years past it looked like that ball would have been a home run? I think Jose Abreu could probably count 20 more home runs <laughs> than he might have had. We were using a different baseball than he had this year. But, uh, you know, it, 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 it's a wonder because that was obviously yeah. their biggest flaw in 2022. If you take that flaw away, do the other flaws bring them down or does that do the job of covering up the other flaws because they're able to be the powerful team that they were built to be? Yeah. I guess the final one that we have for this block, we'll take another break, is we'll go to the offseason of 2022. What if there's no lockout? Um, and we also saw spring training be pushed back in Lance Lynn's last start. He leaves with a knee injury. What if spring training isn't rushed? Lance Lynn has a normal spring training. Do the White Sox bring in Johnny Cueto? Possibly the best story of the 2022 White Sox. Um, if we're doing a year in review, I feel remiss not mentioning Johnny Cueto. So if we have a normal offseason, do the White Sox pitchers stay healthy? Does Lucas Giolito not add this weight and throw him off and have an odd, odd 2022? Um, is that out of our hands? Well, why lockout? do I feel like we're going to be doing a next year? What if there was no World Baseball Classic <laughs> and Johnny well, not Johnny Cueto, Lance Lynn mm -hmm. had to rush, if he's rushing, to start one of the games in March. And, I mean, the White Sox are going to have a lot of players yeah. in the World Baseball Classic. Um, I mean, who, who off the top of my head? You got Moncada, Robert. Uh, Tim. Tim Anderson. Lance. Lance, Lance maybe Cease. So I think it's going to be a topic of conversation in spring training. Yeah. And I, th I think the one that goes along with that, too, is Yasmani Grandal. Uh, mm -hmm. Is he able to better rehab from the surgery that he had if he gets a full regular yeah. spring training without that quick ramp up? Uh, it affected Clevenger, too. Yeah, Mike Clevenger coming off of Tommy John surgery, he kind of, think, had to do a lot of stuff on his own mm -hmm. and wasn't able to use the Padres' uh, medical facility. Yeah, I, th I, think they do st I, I think they do still sign Cueto. Because of two words, Dallas Keuchel. And I think they needed an insurance policy for him. And, and you know, that was such a low-risk signing, that minor league deal for Johnny Cueto, that it was like, who cares if it doesn't work? Who cares if we've got a full rotation? It's the it's a minor league deal. See but what they, happens. Do they wait until Keuchel blows up to, to, to sign Cueto? Like, you know, or do they still, like, in that timeline, you know, Lance Lynn stays, still, still stay, stays healthy, but they want to – Build out that. Minor I think league here's depth. the question because here's here's what we keep talking about all the time when it comes to are they going to add more pitching this off season? Those minor league deals, you you've got to find a, a pitcher who's going to be willing to go to AAA or a pitcher who's willing to pitch out of the bullpen if they don't make mm -hmm. the rotation in spring training. Maybe there's no maybe the White Sox would like to sign Johnny Cueto, but maybe Johnny Cueto doesn't sign with them if there's no visible rotation spot for him to jump into, even if it's for a couple months while they wait for Lance Lynn to to get healthy. I've got another good what if. That has to do with Dallas Keuchel. What if Zach Wheeler took the most money, which was offered by everybody who says the White Sox don't spend money? The White Sox offered Zach Wheeler the most money to pitch for the Sox, and he chose less money, chose the Phillies, so then the White Sox 
Signed Dallas Keuchel. Well, yeah, Zach Wheeler's wife is still on the hate list of many <laughs> White Sox fans because uh, she wanted to be close to. I think she's from New Jersey. I believe yeah. that's um, correct. Yeah. So you know, she's a big fan of Philadelphia. She loves you know the smell of cheesesteaks in the morning. She loves Who run, running up those rocky <laughs> steps. You know, who doesn't? Grain sliding, alcohol sliding down a greased up uh, telephone pole. You know, it's it's all part of the uh, Philadelphia experience. She had a Mike Schmidt jersey deep deep in her closet. Um, <laughs> we'll take a break, and you mentioned Yasmani Grandal. We got a Yasmani Grandal. Uh, what if? Uh, to get to, uh, but we got to tell you about Shady Rays. Vinny and I both love our Shady Rays. Shady Rays never understood why sunglasses were so expensive, so they set out to change it, and you don't have to break the bank for quality sunglasses this winter because our friends at Shady Rays have you covered. Shady Rays are premium polarized shades featuring world-class optical clarity, substantial durability, and styles cater to everyone and every lifestyle. They have a fantastic in protection program as well, uh, lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your shades on day one, they told us that they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked, and they make fantastic quality sunglasses, and their customers seem to agree. Over 200,000 five-star reviews for Shady Ray sunglasses, and if you don't love your product, they stand behind their product. They told our team that if anyone has a problem, they throw profit out the window and do what it takes to get it right. They offer free returns and exchange. You either love the shades or Shady Rays will pay them pay you to ship them back. Uh, that's it. So exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is running their deepest deal of the season. Use code CHGO for 50% off two or more pairs at ShadyRays.com. You can buy one, get one free. You can get two pairs for as low as $54. Redeem only at ShadyRays.com where you can find all their newest and best shades. We also got to let you know about DraftKings. Uh, the fans, the tradition, the glory, there's nothing more thrilling than college football. Your USC Trojans are yes. playing on Monday. Tulane. It's yeah, a it's game. kind of a buzzkill. I mean, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> we go from... Beat Utah to go to the college football playoff to, and we got Tulane. You got the Heisman. Yeah, I know, but <laughs> not, not exactly the same thing. But no. hey, Trojans had a good year. We needed one. Yeah, and uh, at least you got the man in place, right? We you have Caleb Williams. We got Lincoln Riley. I'm feeling great. Yeah, you don't have to. You don't have a Clay Helton anymore. You got. You got. You got some stability. Yeah, he was a Lincoln doozy. Riley. Yeah. Uh, my go-to for betting is DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook. Uh, tonight, there is a huge, huge matchup. Uh, Florida State versus Oklahoma State. It actually just kicked off. Uh, I love Florida State minus 9.5. I think it was at minus 10 before this uh, show started. Um, I like Florida State with that number. I think they're going to blow out the Sooners. And right now, new customers can place just a $5 pregame money line bet on a college football team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Plus, everyone can combine multiple bets for bigger payouts with DraftKings same game parlays I think the Iowa Kentucky game might go to overtime so I combined overtime that game to go to overtime and over 27 and a half points uh, and that's at plus 900 so if you're looking for a big payout uh, this upcoming weekend uh, look at the Iowa Kentucky game so download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now use code CHGO new customers can place a $5 pregame money line bet on any college football team to win and get $150 in free bets if your team does that's code CHGO only at DraftKings Sportsbook minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply see show notes for details um, I read that you really liked CBS Sunday mornings you like you like features? Is that somewhere on the internet? I it guess. Is. Um, is that on your Wikipedia page? No. So I uh, yeah. So I besides talking about the White Sox and anchoring and you know reporting, I do like feature stories. I love doing them. And if you were watching when we were Comcast Sportsnet, um, I did a lot of feature stories, and I still love to do with them. And if I wasn't doing this job. One job I would love to do is to be a correspondent on CBS Sunday Morning. I watched that show as a child with my dad forever, 
And uh, they just do great long-form stories. So, yes, I, uh, I do have an affinity t- for that program. If, you know, CBS Sunday Morning gave you an unlimited budget, you can do a feature on any athlete, who would you pick? Doesn't have to be Chicago. Any any, any sport. athlete right now. Any, any sport. I mean, I mean, it could be you know, well, dead or alive. The, the, here's you have unlimited resources. Here's so if you want to bring Ted including Williams, including a time back, machine. Yeah, yeah. Ted Williams, a time machine. <laughs> Whatever you want, Chuck. We, we got unlimited resources. All right. Let your creativity. I mean, run. this is a longer story. How long you got? <laughs> we got uh, ten minutes or All so. All right. Uh, well, let me just say this: that the stories that I like are not where the lights are flashing on that. Like, I like to go, if people are zigging, I'm zagging, and I'm going over there. And I think one of the greatest stories that has really has been told but hasn't been told, and I'm not going to bore everyone with it because it's going to, not bore it, you won't bore it, but I, you don't want to hear this because it's a Cub story. Google Fred Merkel. Just mm. Google Fred Merkel, then that story uh, needs to be told more and more and more and more and more because uh, he hexed, or the Cubs hexed themselves over what happened with Fred Merkel in 1908. Hmm. And you can read it from there. And then there's a little Chicago Blitz pennant over there. And if you can Google Chicago Blitz, and even maybe my name, you'll see a story. Actually, the Fred Merkel story. I did the Fred Merkel story, so I don't need to do it again. Okay. (laughs) Everybody, if you want to spend some time, and this is the kind of stories that I like, Google Fred Merkel You'll see my story that I did in 2008 on the 100th anniversary of Fred Merkel. And then maybe the Chicago Blitz story is out there, too, because one of the uh, worst trades in the history of sports that will never, ever be topped is that in 1984, the Chicago Blitz were coming off a great season. They made the playoffs. It was their first season in the USFL. Uh, Marv Levy was the head coach. Oh, no, no, he wasn't the head coach yet. It was uh, George uh, Allen, George Allen. The Chicago Blitz team was traded to the Arizona Wranglers for their team. I just said that. <laughs> Imagine teams being traded. And we got the, the worst end of the deal. We got the Arizona Wranglers. They sucked. <laughs> and this good Chicago Blitz team that I loved went to Arizona. You guys are going to be breaking a story. The White Sox have acquired the Oakland A's. Yeah, I mean, that's basically what it was. They, they literally traded teams. Traded teams. That's ridiculous. And there's so many insane stories. Dan Jiggett's played on that team, the Chicago Blitz. It's uh, Tom Thayer. So there we go. That's I definitely thought you were going to say you're going to take a time machine back to the 60s and interview Hawk in the 60s. I mean, I, you asked me that question. My br- I could easily go back to that. Yeah, uh, sure. I would go back personally to 1978 if I had a time machine. Yes. And I would just follow Bruce Springsteen for an entire year and watch every single concert and gotcha. just drop out of society. I was going to say, so this is less of you yeah. doing something for work and more so no. you yeah. take their time machine and then yeah, quit. Me, <laughs> yeah. If you gave me a time machine, I would go to 78 and I would just drop out of society. And then maybe I'd follow the dead as well. Great my, idea. My yeah. Winterland copy only has uh, three of the four discs, so okay. I'm... I'm missing that part of the show. So it'd be great to go revisit that. <laughs> the, you mean Winterland for Grateful Dead or, the, or Springsteen? Springsteen. Okay, yeah, because yeah. they both had big shows in 78, but we're going off track. He's more of the dead guy. I'm, I guess, I mean, you're, you got a Springsteen, whatever. I'm not going to, you like music more than I do. So. It's true. <laughs> Don't you forget it. <laughs> um, but you kind of did a feature story with Yasmani Grandal recently. Yes. It was an hour-long podcast. It was the White Sox Talk podcast, mm-hmm. just to you know, plug in again. Thank um, you. There was an interesting what if in there. Uh, Yasmani talked about he was feeling really good going up against the Rangers, mm-hmm. ran to first base after slicing a single into right field and came up feeling like he pulled something. And the doctors told him that he could have gotten surgery um, and it would have been about a four to six week rehab, but he decided to 
forego that and just rehab it himself. Um, what if they got Yasmani Grandal at full strength at any point? Like, was that a big moment because they would end up losing Tim Anderson? But if he has, you know, Yaz hitting home runs, that could soften the blow. Yeah, it's a good what if for his season. Mm-hmm. He only hit five home runs. Would it have made a difference in them winning the division? No. And uh, but I do feel like you know he said he would have been out four or five weeks. That's what the doctor told him. He ended up missing six by rehabbing it. Um, but he just felt like he felt like I think maybe at the time when he had to make that decision, I'll be back sooner than four or five weeks. He wasn't. Um, you know, it's tough to get an idea of what his season, what any of these guys' seasons are going to be because you don't know how many games they're going to play. But here's Yasmani Grandal staying in Chicago. He's been working out with, uh, through a program with the Blackhawks uh, head uh, physical uh, trainer, uh, strength and conditioning coach. And he's working out like seven days a week. I think it's going to be altered to six days a week soon because one of those days is not going to be baseball activities. But I watched him do a full workout. And I'd like to think I'm in pretty good shape. And I'll just here's some more breaking news. It's not even news. Uh, Chuck is in pretty good shape. Breaking. No. <laughs> I almost did a story of me doing, trying to do Yasmani Grandel's workout. We and were then gonna, after watching it, you were like, no, right. no, 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 no. End no. up like her so, so falling they, they, out of space. So they, they were like <laughs> encouraging me to do it. Like, like bring cameras, and I'm gonna try to do Yasmani Grandel's workout. I'm like, you know what? That's just not gonna look good for me. <laughs> I, I watched this thing. I'm like, that's just not good. It's good TV, probably. Yeah. Um, but I didn't want to make it about myself. So let's make it about Yasmani Grandal. He need, he's the focus, not me. And whether I could finish his workout, I can't. Um, but it was, uh, I was really impressed what he's doing, his commitment to uh, be stronger, to do whatever he can. And like, we had a thing at the end of the, uh, sh- towards the end of the season, we would come on the post-game show because Len Casper one day at the end of a broadcast, the Sox won a game, and he said these words. They really rang true for me, and it was whatever it takes. And I felt like last year's team on many nights wasn't doing whatever it takes to win. And Pedro Grafol, I love this. He gets hired, does his press conference, and we had him on our podcast. And uh, he three or four times on his own said, we're going to do whatever it takes. And I'm looking at Yasmani Grandal, I'm like, he's doing whatever it takes. And if you get enough players signing up for that, and I believe that they will, a lot of wins will come. How many? I don't know, but I, I like where this is trending. So that's my long answer as to with Grandal and the workout that he had. But I think it goes along with my hopes for this team that I think inside their hearts and minds, um, hearts and minds, uh, they're going to do whatever it takes. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, I, I've been really inspired by Pedro. Mm-hmm. Uh, seems like he's saying all the right things. Yeah. Haven't played a game of baseball yet, and that's really what I'll judge, you know, yeah. if, he, if he's doing a good job or not. But uh, seems like he's won all the press conferences. So yeah. uh, I'm, I'm all for him. Well, and I'll say this too. How, how often does a new manager get hired and is tasked with doing so much in an offseason, right? Because you'll normally, you'll hire the new manager. You'll, go, you'll make some tweaks to the roster. You know, the front office will, uh, you know, and – Here's your team, you know, go go coach him up kind of thing. Pedro Grafol and that coaching staff are the White Sox main offseason ways to improve this team. Mm-hmm. It, it is you guys better get Yoan Moncada back to being Yoan Moncada. Yeah. You guys better get Luis Robert to be Luis Robert. 
the the offseason improvement, you know, you can point to Benintendi, a big a big addition, you know, Clevenger coming into the rotation, but the main move that this front office made to make this team better was to hire a new coaching staff. Yeah. And so not only does he have to manage a clubhouse and manage a team like anybody uh, would normally when the games start at the end of March, but he's got months and months of work to get the team to where it needs to be before that even comes. You know, uh, the bar for him, I, would, I don't want to say it's low, but like, Give me that job. And I think that he was most attracted because he interviewed for like the Royals and the Marlins job. But this, I want this job, right? <laughs> I mean, like the bar, Tony La Russa, that was a failure, right? You're, you, you want to replace the guy who failed. <laughs> but the so expectations coming, are still are still high. Fine. With that talent, bring right. it on. Yeah, but I mean, bring like, it on. You know, oh, that's what he wants, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm just saying yeah. like it's. He has a chance to win with this team. If this first-time manager, Pedro Grafol, is going to be judged far differently as the manager of the White Sox than he would have if he were the manager of the Marlins. That's true. That's yeah. true. But Or Royals or whatever. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, but you'd rather have the team Wins. as a shot. or Yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> Absolutely. You know, the right. Royals could be good or they could just continue to be the Royals. But yeah. I guess, hey, they got a World Series uh, more recently than the White Sox, so I should probably uh, stop on that train of thought. Uh, final one, because Joey Flash, we got three minutes left. Uh, let's go back to September 20th. Uh, I feel like this was such an important night. Sixth inning, Sox are up three to one. They're two games back, or I think, yeah, two games back of Cleveland in the loss column. If that game goes differently, I don't think they have an eight-game losing streak. I mean, is there still a possibility if the White Sox win that game? And you talk about whatever it takes, Jose Abreu uh, getting a hit off Emmanuel Class A in the tenth inning. Like, what if that game just went the White Sox way? I, I yes. Okay. There is a scenario <laughs> where the White Sox would have won the division. But I just felt like I saw the Guardians starting in May with that grand slam that Naylor hit. And I'm like, man, I don't know if this is sustainable, but whatever that Guardians team has, they have something. They have it. And the White Sox don't have it for some reason right now. I just felt like nothing was going the White Sox way. That is a what if. I get it, but. No, uh, I get you. It's, I think the Guardians are winning the division regardless at that point. They win on the 20th, and then they lose the next two games probably. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I get mean, you. <laughs> there was a theme. There was a lot of momentum for both teams that season, and I think the White Sox did all they could to try to get back in the race, and they just couldn't finish the job. I'll just say this. They win that game on September 20th. They play a hell of a lot differently on September 21st yeah. than they actually did. Yeah, yeah. Um, and game time allowed us to go to those two games, and I regret going <laughs> just because that was so heartbreaking uh, to see in person. Uh, we want to ch thank Chuck Garfine uh, for coming on the CHGO White Sox podcast. Make sure you follow Chuck on Twitter, at Chuck Garfine. He is of NBC Sports Chicago and the White Sox Talk podcast as well, uh, so make sure you check out that uh, with Ryan McGuffey and also Vinny Duber uh, joined us. You can follow him. Well, yeah, I joined you today. I, I I used, used to be show. on that podcast, not anymore. Yeah, you're, you're on this show now. Um, you can follow <laughs> I have Vinny. not been invited back. <laughs> you can follow Vinny on Twitter, at Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. And I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter, at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Thank you, everyone in the chat, for liking and commenting. And make sure you like on your way out. Thank you very much. And we will talk to you next year. Um, go White Sox. Wow.